Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Hello, my honey, my welcome into the show. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. You may have detected I'm not Ian Smith. Daniel McCarty again with you through till midday. Brian and Louis alongside me. We've got lots to get into, including hearing from you later this hour. We will open the lines on 0800 You can also text us on double eight double three. Coming up very shortly, we'll uh, cast an eye over the Cricket World Cup. Another big result last night. One-sided result. Another huge score posted by South Africa in that fearsome batting lineup of theirs. Uh, humbling Bangladesh. Bangladesh now sliding to the bottom bottom of the ladder uh, on net run rate ahead of England. Yes, the defending champs uh, certainly have not uh, hit the ground running in India. Andrew Miller from uh, the UK editor of ESPN Crick Info might be able to offer a few uh, reasons as to why they have struggled and his thoughts on the tournament overall coming up very shortly on the programme. He is just minutes away. Also, on the show after 10 o'clock, we'll head back to South Africa and catch up with our dear friend, Mr. Cookie Kule. We spoke to him last week about the uh, Zombok apocalypse. Well, that continues after they uh, got out of a huge hole in the semi-final against uh, England. We'll try and figure out uh, what the pulse is like in South Africa ahead of a meeting against their grand old rival, the All Blacks, for the first time in 28 years, these two sides to meet in a Rugby World Cup final. He'll join the show after 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a run, Love Racing update. We've got uh, the Polaris Sports Desk. Chance for you to win uh, with uh, Stump by Smithy is there. Possibly. We'll figure that out a little bit later. And also joining us after 11 o'clock, going to catch up with uh, Millie Kerr and Georgia Plummer from the White Ferns, who will be in studio. I think they're in Auckland, I'm in Wellington, but we will communicate. We can talk about a long tour to South Africa, how they placed as they uh, now eye uh, cricket in this part of the globe. And of course, every uh, White Ferns game right here on SNZ over the summer. All right, lots to get into in short. Five minutes after nine o'clock. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon. Well, exactly two weeks ago on the show, at this very time, I implored World Rugby to get their act together in sorting out a global calendar for the betterment of the global game. I argued the current model does not help all nations all of the time, and that needed to be addressed as a matter of urgency, in my opinion. Well, I must admit, I am surprised that World Rugby and its key members were able to agree on anything. Something so quickly. Genuine surprise. Uh, I also made the point that this World Cup, we have seen an increase of one-sided non-contests compared to previous World Cups. And this is due to a lack of support between World Cups for developing nations. Sadly, I think we can expect more of the same, if not more, at the next World Cup in 2027. Because I don't know how the plan announced by World Rugby helps smaller nations with any urgency. Uh, They have simply not received an invitation to the top table. For starters, the new biannual international competition, which has been announced, will start in 2026. So there is no short-term fix for anyone. In 2026, this competition will comprise of the top 12 teams going around. The Six Nations. Sorry, Portugal. Sorry, Georgia. Sorry, anyone else in Europe, no space for you. Sorry, anyone in South America, no space for you. The Sanzar nations of Argentina, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand will be there. They're locked in, and two other nations will be selected by Sanzar, likely to be Japan and Fiji, according to some reports. Sorry, Samoa, sorry, Tonga, the second division to you. Off you go. 
Uh, but don't worry, Portugal, Georgia, Samoa, Tonga, the all of South America, of Africa, of Asia, or anyone else not eating at the top table, you will get a chance. You will get a chance at promotion to the top tier in Cheeks Notes 2030. 2030. Okay. Now, nearly all of the Tier 2 teams at this World Cup have pleaded for more matches with Tier 1 nations. Will they get any of that in the next four years? I guess there is still a glimmer of hope. A glimmer of hope that this will happen. As World Rugby has promised, and I quote, a significant uplift in the number of crossover matches between nations and the respective division, divisions rather, are included in the global calendar in the two other years. So World Rugby has made a bit of a promise there. But of course World Rugby didn't explain exactly how that would work. The devil is in the detail. And we need to make sure we hold World Rugby and our own NZR firm to make sure they keep their word on this. After all, World Rugby Big Week Sir Bill Beaumont did preach to us at the end of pool play that the new calendar will benefit the many, not the few. But right now it seems only the 12 disciples of World Rugby will feast on the full banquet. While for the rest, well, no broad church for you. Eight and a half minutes after nine o'clock. Nine runs, the margin of victory for South Africa after 399. Lost Quinton and Cock early, don't forget that, but everybody else came to the party. Yeah, well, South Africa like scoring big when they win big at this Cricket World Cup. And overnight, they've thumped uh, Bangladesh by 149 runs, 382 for five. They made Quinton de Kock, scored another 100. And, of course, uh, the audio just heard the huge win over England, winning by 229 runs. Still scarcely believable stuff. 399 for seven, played 170. South Africa near the top of the standings. England, well, thanks to Bangladesh's uh, heavy loss, are off the bottom thanks to net run rate. Fair to say, this uh, World Cup has thrown up some uh, rather interesting uh, scenarios, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of them right now. We are thrilled to welcome into the show uh, from the behemoth. That is ESPN Crick Info, the UK editor of uh, that wonderful uh, online publication. It is Mr. Andrew Miller. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. I wish it was in better circumstances for England, but, you know, <laughs> things happen. Well, you're off the bottom. You're off the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're well, out of the relegation <laughs> spots. <laughs> what, what, what wow. A, what a scene. What, what scenes? They're absolute shambles. I, I've, I've, um, I had moderately high hopes for England coming into this tournament. I, I kind of figured that they would just about be able to pick up where they left off in 2019 because they've basically given up playing 50 over cricket. How wrong I was. Um, they've, they've completely forgotten how to play. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's getting quite embarrassing. It's, it's kind of reminding me of the dark old days of 2015 when when you boys spanked us in the cake tin it was uh it's it, it the, the margin of defeat that sort of that sort of uh, magnitude at the moment andrew you weren't alone though in being bullish on england's chances prior to this tournament uh, a, a lot of people had them in their upper echelon 
Uh, some had them as favourites. So if you look between the lines and on the field, where has it go, gone so wrong? Well, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've spent so much time talking about basketball and, and what England have done in Test cricket and everything they've done right in that has been, all been to do with their mindset, all been to do with thinking positively, believing that they were better than the cricket they were producing. And I think we've all been a little bit, a little bit hoodwinked by the ease with which England slipped into that mindset in Test cricket. And I think, I think you know, slipping back to 50 over cricket, there was, as, as I say, this assumption that England would just be, it would be all right. We've not really concentrated on this format for a while, but, you know, we'll, we'll pick it up and hopefully it's, it'll be okay. But uh, they just have not found the space they need to be in to compete at what is a, a very competitive World Cup. And, and they're, they're getting a bit embarrassed at the minute. Between 2015 and 2019, you played an extraordinary, or they played an extraordinary amount of one-day international cricket. I think it was 88 one-day internationals in that cycle. They were hosting a World Cup, made sense. I think they've trimmed that down to below half. It's 42 matches they played between World Cups. Joe Root brought this up, saying it's not as an excuse, even though he clearly offered it as an excuse. I'm not buying this. New Zealand's only played one more game in the last four years. Australia, two more. Why, why can Australia and New Zealand not completely fall down when they play the same amount of cricket? Or am I being unfair to him? Well, no, no, no. You're you're being perfectly fair. This this was this was the assumption that I think England made. I, I think that's probably the the root of the problem. They assumed that because they hadn't paid enough attention, no one had paid attention, and and it just goes to show. You know, you look at. I mean, New Zealand have played some wonderful cricket in this tournament, but you look at South Africa in particular. I think South Africa have been fascinating in that what they yes. did to England and what they did to Bangladesh yesterday is pretty much what England have been you know, built their reputation on in, in that 2015-19 cycle of just blitzing people with immense amount of runs and, you know, you drown people in runs. England thought they could do that and they just have not been able to do that. They've, you know, they've not, you know, they've, they've lost Jason Roy at the top of the order, which is a big loss. Joss Butler's not found form. Um, obviously, Ben Stokes has had his knee injury. But over and above that, they've just, they just haven't had the the mindset, I keep banging on about mindset, but mindset is what has turned them into this this unbelievable team in Test cricket because they just believe they are going to crush everyone. And they just don't believe that at the moment. Joe Root's form at this World Cup is fascinatingly bad. I, I, I've never seen him bat so badly in any form of the game. And I've been watching him for a decade. And he's always been reliably solid, even when he's out of form. And now he's just got no form at all. It's It's really... It's it's one of the most confusing things I've ever seen in in cricket because Joe Root is you know you think of Kane Williams you think of Virat Kohli people who even when they're out of form are still a class above and at the moment he's just he's just got no form and he looks like probably the the weakest link in an already weak batting lineup and and that that's that's such an odd thing to say about one of the yeah. great players that England have ever produced. Uh, tomorrow night, our time, 9.30, it is England up against Sri Lanka, and, uh, and, and I'm describing it rather unfairly, and you can understand, uh, based on what happened at the last tournament, why New Zealanders feel like this. I'm calling it a relegation six-pointer against Sri Lanka. <laughs> uh, but then you've got games against India and Australia. Um, do you see a path to the semis in any way? Well, I think it's already looking like favours are needed from all sorts of places and already i'm looking for tomorrow new australia playing australia playing the netherlands i mean australia i don't think are in a very good place either i mean you look at that table it's fascinating i mean you've got india yeah south africa new zealand pulling away and then that that battle for fourth spot is still really competitive if australia trip up and you know it's not out of the question because netherlands 
in in many ways the Netherlands are almost as as well prepared for this tournament as anyone because they went through that that death match of a of a qualifying tournament in 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 Zimbabwe in the summer. That's probably been the most competitive fifty over cricket we've had this in this entire cycle. So that could happen. And if that happens, then suddenly you've got all these teams on four points and England on two points, and it, and suddenly it's a it's reachable. But and yeah, that's clutching at straws already, isn't it? I mean, England really do not deserve to have a prayer, and in any ordinary tournament, they'd be long gone. Yeah, they they need to um, make some massive changes between the lines. Um, whether or not they can do it, only time's going to tell. South Africa, though, how fun are they to watch? How powerful! <laughs> I feel I fear for bowlers when I'm watching, you know, on screen back in New Zealand, and and they have the ability to still bottle it against lesser nations. They're the perfect, they're the perfect sort of um, team for us neutrals to watch. South it's, Africa, yeah, that's been glorious, isn't it? I mean, I, I really, I, I, I'm really pleased for them in in so many ways. I mean, they, they've got this horrific World Cup history that. It's basically they're basically stalked by 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 defeat and disaster ever since ever since the, the 1999 semi-final, and now suddenly they they just look as though they're a team who who've managed to shed that baggage. And obviously, when they lost to the Netherlands, we thought, oh, here we go, the the C word is rearing its head again. They're, they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna bottle it. And then of course, England did them a favour by being utterly useless. And and since then, I think I think that probably just. Just was all they needed, just to think. You know what? We're, we're we are better than this. We can we can get over our, our our angst about World Cups and and just crush people. And so you know they look locked in for a semi final. India are locked in for a semi final. New Zealand are locked in for a semi final. You know I, I I can't see I can't see how they are going to drop the ball now. So it really comes down to who is going to be that fourth team, and that's the really fascinating thing because you know any one of you know Australia, Pakistan, England, even. I mean, I know any any of those three gets to a semi final. We saw in 1992, didn't we, when Pakistan were the were the team that scraped through, and suddenly that that belief that all oh, right, we've we've come through existential crisis in this qualifying tournament. All we need to do is win two games to win this thing. Suddenly, that you know, it turns on its head and and off you go. So that 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 I suppose is the thing that the fourth team is going to cling to because those three at the moment are just streaked ahead of everyone else. Uh, Andrew Miller is with us as we're talking the Cricket World Cup, the UK editor of uh, ESPN Crick Info. One thing that has been missing um, at this World Cup is tension, is drama, late drama. So many lopsided non-contests. Can you put a finger on why? Yeah, I, I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to get my head around this. I, I I think I think it's to partly it's an unfamiliarity with fifty over cricket. I think I think um, certainly England have shown this. I, I got to talk about England's failure to bat first in that in that crazy match in in Wankhede the other day, when the, you know essentially they they thought you know what we we're, we're quite a good chasing team we'll just let South Africa score what they want and and then we'll we'll try and ch- chase it down. I think people are forgetting quite how tough it is to bat fi- to be fifty overs in the field. Everyone is used to playing twenty over matches in white ball cricket, and by the time England had been through four hours in the field they were knackered absolutely knackered you know there's there's talk about the the air quality and all the rest of it but frankly it was just a really bad decision at the toss they were toasted for four hours and then went out to bat and didn't get close and i think a lot of that is probably catching up on teams they're just not used to the the struggle required to stay in the game over 50 overs and therefore you know once once a, a gap appears 
in one facet of the game or other, um, it, it widens so quickly. And I, I think that's probably, that's the only thing I can think of. It's just these teams are not used to the struggle, not used to what it what it takes to compete for, you know, it's eight hours of cricket really, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a long time to, to have to keep your, keep your levels up when you're used to bowling, what, four overs in a T20 game and, you know, the game's done in three and a half hours or four hours of the IPL. It's, uh, I suppose that that's the only thing I can think of. But it, it's been, yeah, it's been underwhelming, even though there've been some incredible results and some incredible upsets. It's it's deeply strange. A uh, couple more before I let you go, Andrew. Are nine teams playing for the right to lose to India in the final? Sorry, didn't 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 quite catch that. Are nine teams playing for the right to lose to India in oh, the yes. final? Are India, yeah, are India runaway favourites? Yeah. Do you see any scenario where they don't win? Uh, I mean, no. I, I, I can't see a scenario, which is why one will crop up. I, I'm, gar- <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, when it comes to that semi-final, when, the, you know, take, take, that, take that semi-final in, in 2019 when, when, when you guys beat them in, over two days in, 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 at Old Trafford. I, I think there was an assumption then that they were coasting on through and got tripped up. That, that jeopardy of knockout cricket is the only thing that I can think that can trip them up. But, you know, they just look such, such a complete team. I mean, Jasmine Bumrah is a, is a cut above. The way Virat Kohli is just, you know, picking and choosing when he scores his centuries in run chase at the moment is just ridiculous. Um, but, you know, we've seen what South Africa have done when they bat first and just put a mountain of runs on the board. We've seen what New Zealand can do in from pretty much any scenario with, you know, such a rounded team. I still believe there's a, there's, there is an upset, but it's going to take something special, isn't it? I mean, New, New Zealand ran them pretty close, but still it was pretty comfortable in the end the other day um, up at Dharamsala. So, uh, I don't know. It does feel as though I think what the last three World Cups have been won by the team that was the host, wasn't it? So, India, Australia, England, back to India now. It does feel that 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 hosting ability is um, is is a, is a critical factor in this format. Lastly, Andrew, how high should New Zealand cricket fans be on these sides' chances? How high? Well, I, th- I think I think it's been it's been glorious. I I, I I'm really pleased for for New Zealand. I think. You know, as you say, it does feel as though the chances are it's going to be another near miss of you know get to the knockouts and and it and and you'll just come up against a team that has better luck or just gets it right of the day. It, it, it feels like another hard luck story, but you look at the team that has done what it's done and the the characters in there who you know either been there before in 2019 or or guys like Daryl Mitchell who've just and, and Devon Conway have come storming through and just really are proving a point in this format. They they look like a, a team that aren't done yet. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of thought after the after the um, the World Test Championship final in twenty one, it looked like that was that was the moment that you know you've got you've got what you do got what you earned for for eight years of excellence in across all formats. But no, this team isn't done yet. And you know, if Kane Williamson comes back from his his his, his freak injury, that's another important cog in 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 a team that can still win things. I, I'm. You know, there, there are guys, obviously, who were there four years ago and went through something that no team should ever have to go through, the, the manner of losing that final. And that's got to count for something, isn't it? If When it gets to get a chance to get to another knockout, uh, that's got to count for, you know, we've seen what's going on in the in the Rugby World Cup as well. Just uh, what happens when teams get, get hurt and get a chance to have a, have a have redemption. It's uh, It can count for something, can't it? 
Yeah, it does. It does indeed. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat to us. Uh, an extensive chat. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure our listeners did too. Go well, my friend. Hopefully we can do it again real soon. Great pleasure. Go well. Cheers. Andrew Miller joining us there, the uh, UK editor of ESPN Crick Info, looking firstly at England. An absolute shambles is one of the lines I do remember him saying. Uh, they've been so sort of preoccupied with baseball, perhaps they have sort of taken their eye off uh, the one-day international form. Yes, they've halved the amount of games they've played in one-day international cricket over the last few years compared to the, the previous cycle. But I, I, I don't know, I, I still I think that's a bit of a false dawn, that argument. Uh, I, New Zealand, Australia, I'll say it again, have played virtually the same amount of numbers. Um, they just looked a side that's finally sort of bereft of ideas and confidence. Uh, when you look at South Africa, that they're full of confidence, aren't they? The way, the way they're playing, yeah, take that Netherlands game out of the, uh, the side. So listening to Andrew there, he thinks three teams already pretty much there, New Zealand, South Africa and India, and everyone else playing for one spot. Were they, those the main takeaways? Yeah, and it would be hard to see that see a scenario where Australia aren't that fourth spot for me. For me, that's how I can see the tournament panning out from here, and, and that probably feels about right. Um, spent so much time thinking about baseball and was so blown away with how good it was. They probably underestimated how hard it is to actually just flick a switch and be great at an ODI format. Well, there's only three formats, and if you've forgotten about one of them. You've probably been preoccupied doing something else. So uh, I have no pity, and I found it comical that they have, in the middle of a tournament, reached for excuses rather than focusing on actually digging themselves out of the hole they've put themselves in. And it is so English cricket to be so impressive and to have the world at their feet and then just make a, a mess where you, you know a guy like Andrew Miller, who follows this team and has fun for many years, is calling it an absolute shambles. It's like... How, it's like a two-year rotation of whether England's going good or bad. And then at the same... Now they're doing this amazing thing where they're doing it at the same time because they've pretty much split into two. That's why I constantly remind you about New Zealand's performance <laughs> in the World Cup and our consistency. Yes, we haven't won the, the big one. I get that. But time and time out, we front, don't we? That's why I admire them so much. It's 25 minutes after 9 o'clock. Uh, we will open the lines this hour. If you want to talk about the Cricket World Cup, um, the problems with England, the contenders, uh, is it literally nine teams playing for the right to lose to India? Really keen to speak to cricket fans. Rugby World Cup final, of course, is on. You've got a new global calendar in 2026. I'm not sure if uh, that will excite you, but open line talk is coming. But coming up on the other side of the break, we head to Aroha and the news. Stay with us. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. This is ECNZ. It's bang on half past nine. We're going to open the lines after the news on 0800 150 811. You can get your messages uh, coming through on double eight double three. We're almost at the halfway stage of the Cricket World Cup, so we want to check our pulse uh, and our optimism. I think I said prior to the tournament, Louis, um, if we can't win it, what's the ideal scenario? Finishing fifth and being beaten on net run rate, so you can bitch and moan about that for four years. Um, no, um, no, I give us more than a puncher's chance here, um, so I'm willing for heartbreak, I'm, will, I'm willing to embrace some heartbreak, uh, Louis, even if that is the third straight final loss. I want to make a final so badly, and to make a final, I don't want to see Australia or India 
anywhere near a semi-final. So basically, we've got one option, and that is to pray that South Africa don't implode before the semi-finals so we can <laughs> destroy their hopes and dreams again in another semi-final, and we can replay Grant Elliott and Ian Smith and Superman over and over in the lead-up, and then we can all be happy. And then when we're in the final, we can just close our eyes, cross our fingers, and take it to the death again. And surely okay. nothing could go wrong two times in a row. Well, let us know, listeners. Let us know. 0800 Louis uh, mapped his perfect World Cup from here on in. South Africa in the semi-finals. Uh, and avoid India and Australia like the plague. Amazing. A week ago, New Zealand cricket fans were trying to write Australia off. It, it, it's almost like you can't kill Australia in cricket until they're really, 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 really dead. Uh, currently in fourth. Oh, my Lord. If right now um, the semi-finals to start, Australia would be there. Staggering stuff. I'd uh, love to hear from you, 0800 150 Other topics, the global calendar announced in World Rugby. Uh, I'm not sure um, that's going to invigorate you as far as a talkback topic, but um, you can talk about South Africa and uh, the All Blacks who are playing in a little game if you want. But right now, time to head to the news. It's 28 away from 10. Our number is 0800 150 811. Encourage you to use it. Uh, open line talk, as always, if there's something you want to discuss about this beautiful thing called sport, here is your chance. Speak now, forever hold your peace. Uh, I can offer you things we could possibly talk about, but I'm more interested in wanting to know what you want to discuss. 0800 150 811. You can also text us on uh, 8833, the temper and bed poster text machine. Uh, Carl writes, hello Daniel, you might be able to answer, but if not, can you ask your guest, Amelia Kerr, is Amelia Kerr injured as I thought she would be playing in the Big Bash in Aussie? Uh, cheers, uh, writes Carl. Um, not injured, just scoring a truckload of runs uh, in that recent uh, series in um, South Africa, right? Um, she was amazing, amazing form. So back here briefly, and I would assume absolutely we'll head to the Big Bash after that. Can't be in two places at once, I, w- I-, I would say. But thank you, Carl. We'll put that to her. Georgia Plum is also going to join. Uh, we'll talk about being 19 years young, touring, and becoming an international cricketer uh, with her. Um, they're joining us in studio uh, for 11 o'clock. Um, an unnamed texter writes here, Is this world rugby is this World Rugby trying to give Northern Hemisphere teams more exposure to Southern Hemisphere teams to give them a better chance at World Cups? Not a good look for the so-called centre of rugby power to have only won it once. Um, a good shade thrown to the North. I don't think that really, in essence, it's what it's about. I think it's that that old sort of idea of adding context to these international matches. Because with all due respect, a one-off test against Wales in November means what? Louis, like, what does it mean? It generally means a chance for All Blacks coach to increase his talent pool with an eye to a Rugby World Cup. This actually, these are supposedly meaningful matches, right? You are playing for something. So you're trying to add context to it, um, is the way I read it. Also, what they're trying to do is actually make these windows clear um, and precise, so... International rugby can have access to their players, which has been a real problem for for sides. Um, the fact that it is a closed shop through to 2030 doesn't sit comfortably with me. The devil in the detail as to how are they going to help Tier 2 nations um, is very important to me in the longer term. But I, I think that's about it, is adding some context to it. So, 
you know, whether or not this is the right time to announce this, um, you're a few days out from a Rugby World Cup final. Does this sort of uh, distract, distort? I'm pleased that they've actually come up with something because I feel like I've been speaking about this for years and years and years. Um, and as I say, it, it's not a full picture. There are some blank spots still need to be filled in, especially with how they treat Tier 2 nations. It's probably an insight, if anything, into how dysfunctional world rugby is to try and get everybody on the same page. Because you're right, Daniel. You were going on about this five years ago and had the, the desperate need for context in world rugby to literally, and this I remember this in the lead-up to the last World Cup, make World Cups not the absolute be-all and end-all of world rugby. Because you look at sports where that is the case and they aren't the most sustainable ones. So you need context and, and that's what the, the beauty of what this would do. So on one hand, I totally agree. And I think that it's fantastic that there's going to be something else to play for that's not a, a British and Irish Lions series every nine years or a Rugby World Cup every four years. But on the flip side of that, the lip service about wanting to build up our uh, Tier 2 nations, which is such a horrid term in itself, and I, I hate that. I really yeah. do hate that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't make me feel nice especially when you look at the success of Fiji and Draw down here and, and Moana Pacifica really going about it like on a smaller scale, going about it the right way, trying to grow from inside out, but they need help from above. The, the other perplexing part about this is, which I think a lot of people have probably miss, um, missed in all of it, that they're expanding the Rugby World Cup. They're expanding the Rugby World Cup from 20 teams to 24 teams in 2026. It's not helping. Then not but helping. Not helping. So you're going to get an even lot. So these teams that are getting 80 put on them at this World Cup, well, you're going to have four more of them, and they're probably going to have 120 put on them. Thank you for bringing this point up. Right. 24 teams. It's a risk, right? It's a risk. I'll get to that in just a moment. Hiya, Daniel. The corrector here. A corrector here. I love correctors. I love correctors. Uh, biannual is something that happens twice a year. Biannual for something uh, every two years. Absolutely love your work. It's entertaining, straight talking. Thank you very much. Um, I will read verbatim what World Rugby has written. Launch a biannual new international <laughs> comp from 2026 because they play it twice a year, right? November, June windows. But it's every two years. So it's biannual and biennial. So you're right. I'm right. We're all winners. Okay? We're all winners. Rugby World Cup, 24 teams. They're going to go to pools of four. 24 divided by four is six. Right? Top two teams out of each pool. Six of them, two times sixes, 12. 12. They want 16 teams to make the knockout phases. So it's you're going to have one of these absolute, games. You're going to have an absolute joke when the third place team in select pools, when apples are playing oranges, will get through. I've tried to tell you, I've got the answer, World Rugby, but it involves you helping out Tier 2 nations in between World Cups. It's called mm. eight groups of three. You play your group stages, yes, not a lot of exposure for developing nations at a World Cup, uh, but they will play a play-in tournament a few months uh, beforehand. Um, so you'd have eight pools of three, top two of each go through, there's your round of 16. My, my group play is held over three weekends, two full weeks, and then I give you a full extra knockout game. Um, and my tournament finishes at least a week earlier than this current one. Um, but they won't. They'll go six pools of four with top two getting through and then the third place team getting through another group game. 
Yeah. Was there anything? I, I didn't see it. Did you get anything when doing your reading this morning about when they would be drawing these pools? I thought that would be quite an easy win to give the rugby public. You know, because at the moment they do it two years ahead of time. Um, They're still going to do it over a year ahead of time because they they think that time is most appropriate for everyone having a fair crack to improve their rankings. That at certain stages, more certain times of the year, more teams are playing. Some teams are playing and others are idle. I think that was their explanation for it. Um, yeah, it's a heck of an information dump, isn't it? A few days out before a Rugby World Cup final. And it has me thinking, and I know Izzy and Kempe were talking about the timing of it, it has me thinking, when you dump something like this, this is generally bad news, isn't it? You, you want to hide it. You, you, want, you want people to hmm. focus on what's on the, high, on the horizon. So are they unconvinced by this, that they know it's sort of neither here nor there? I don't know. Rugby fans can tell me on 0800 150811. I'm doing way too much talking. Go on. Give us a call. Let us know. Or do you just want to talk about the game? Actually, we just want to talk about the game. We don't talk about the governance, the structure, that it it is of no interest to New Zealand fans. And that, it's perfectly acceptable for it to be of no interest to you this week if, because there is a big game this coming weekend. Um, love to get your thoughts. I think... Sorry, Louis. My theory... You're going to my in? theory... Yeah, my theory on that and why is is so simple, and it is like I actually think this it's the obvious answer is that they have not been able to do this for so long, and they finally got it done because everybody was in one place for the same period of time watching the Rugby World Cup that they just went <gasps> okay then, and they just sent it. They just sent it. Just sent it. They honestly didn't even think about it. I don't think they considered it. I don't think they were, they were smart enough to try and hide any bad news. I just think that this has been such a drawn out process. Daniel, how many versions of these have you seen come and go? And that's the other thing. Who's to say this sticks around? Who's to say this isn't a failed version of Super Rugby in four years? Well, it's it's a pretty challenging landscape, and I've said that a lot over the years. This is not an easy thing to do to pull off. You know, the demands of club competitions on players' times and, you know, player welfare. Um, you know, the world's pretty big. We, we don't want to go down the path of, you know, FIFA and UEFA who um, are just going to send planes flying all around the world at every opportunity in, in, the, in the chase of cash. But you do want some meaningful competition, some context. I, I'm sorry, a one-off game against Wales in November, as far as a sports fan, I'm a sports fan first, rugby fan it doesn't really ignite me. And now I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. I've got me thinking, oh, no, I've got to get to a break. I've been given the break sign. And maybe we can talk about this in the days and weeks ahead. One thing I've learned from this year, Scott Robinson, when you come into the job as head coach of the All Blacks, can you not plan for a World Cup in year one? Like It's about performing at the tournament, right? But Build some depth, I get that. But can we next year, can we just have our best players playing? Can we? If anything, what I've learned from this All Blacks run, you don't need to be perfect for four years, do you? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's just something that popped into my mind. We'll take a break. It's quarter to ten. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 10 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Lots of texts. Feel free to call. I went under 150811. We won't bite. Um... 
Here's, here's another one, Louis. If you're going to increase the amount of teams in the Rugby World Cup, could they introduce a plate final to give the minnows something to play for? Um, in my World Cup of eight pools of three, Louis, the bottom place teams, eight of them, split off and play a plate tournament which is scheduled midweek. So it gives you content during the week, which is something Rugby World Cup desperately lacks, in my opinion. So I wouldn't send every team home. I, I would have a shortened group stage. They would play midweek, and there's a little bit more content. Because when you compare it to Cricket World Cups, uh, Football World Cups, what lacks? It, it's the downtime. There's too many off days, in my opinion, for a world tournament. But what do I know? Um, Brian writes, Canada and the United States couldn't even make this World Cup and get to play ahead of two teams from that area that were in the World Cup. Brian, I'm utterly lost what that means um, because Canada and the United States have not been announced in this 12-team comp. They have been announced in a, an expanded Pacific Nations competition, which is something entirely different starting from next year with Canada, Fiji, Japan, Samoa, Tonga, United States playing. So maybe you got your wires crossed on there. Ferg writes, I think I got your explanation of the tournament proposal, smiley face. Well, smart man, Ferg, aren't you? Smart man. Uh, whether or not you agree with that, that's a different story. By the way, the announcement is surely to distract from the silence about the alleged racist, racist comment. On that, if it was a white player allegedly calling a player of colour, um, they wouldn't have waited this long to resolve and decide. Thank, but how? How do you know that, Ferg? How do you know that? Well, I've watched the tape. And I've tried to hear very much open-mindedly, and I can't decipher a thing. As I said yesterday, it, right now it's a case of hearsay unless there is some hard evidence. And, you know, Ref's mic has not picked up anything I can decipher. Maybe World Rugby hasn't been able to decipher and is just investigating. It's still investigating, which means they're treating it as you would think they would treat if it was the other way around, right? Do you know what I, what I can prove is a crime? Is Owen Farrell in that play, Louis Herman Watt? Everyone, everyone's watching and listening for the audio, but go watch the tape after eight seconds. Farrell goes blindside brilliantly. There's a three-on-one, and what does he do, Louis? He kicks uh, it. He kicks it, and he doesn't even kick it well. He actually, he, There's actually a, a case to be made that he shanks it. <laughs> Just run to the gap and then offload, and it's a three-on-one. Yeah, every, that, that every, is, that, that's clear. <laughs> Every under 13 and a half rugby coach around the country is just screaming, like, draw, pass. Ball in two hands, draw, pass. Owen? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a crime I can prove. That is a crime I can prove. Um, if World Rugby, and I'll say it to be clear again, if World Rugby can prove it beyond hearsay, he deserves to cop it. Right? And he should be out of the World Cup, I would think. Right? That, that's what I would say if it was on the other, if it was the other way around. Does that make sense? Are we clear? So, so one rule for all? Excellent. Six away from ten. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Radio, uh, we'll make this quick 
and we'll make this sharp to the point, Daniel. Today at Gore, they're racing. Yes, they are. Race 8, Industrialist. My new favourite place, by the way, Gore. Industrialist. Uh, a place at $2 in race 8. Best two words in sport. Game 7. If in doubt, take the home team. Philadelphia Phillies, $1.56 to beat the Diamondbacks. And it is tip-off of the NBA season. And Golden State Warriors, they're $1.69 favourites against the Phoenix Suns, who are missing Bradley Beal. Shock, he's injured even for a different team. Three-leg multi, $5.27, R18, gambling responsibly. I like it. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Andre Pollard kicks the box to the lead. They are one step closer to a showdown with the All Blacks. Sia Khaleesi calls for calm. Pollard sets the line. Two and a half minutes remain. It's a one-point ball game. England have to find a way. They have led for 77 and a half minutes in this match. England caught behind the gain line, ball is lost, ball is lost, that'll do it, that will do it. South Africa have pulled off a miracle in Paris. England devastated and the box are through to a second straight Rugby World Cup final. Mornings with Ian Smith, minus Smithy. My name is Daniel McCarty. Fear not, uh, Brian Louis with me as we roll on through till midday. Time to talk Rugby World Cup. Time to talk Rugby World Cup final. Time to talk All Blacks v the Springboks. And time to welcome back to the show one of our uh, favourite South African uh, rugby minds, podcaster, content creator, Cookie Kool-Aid, joins the programme. Welcome back. So we meet again. It's happening. Oh, after 28 years, um, well, I mean, first of all, I'm still recovering from our game. Luckily, you guys got were able to take care of business very quickly. We had to absolutely steal it against England on, on Saturday night. This time. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of believe that we finally did it. And um, after 28 years, we meet again in the World Cup final. Well, at least your game was good for world rugby. Ours was bad for world rugby, according to the salty <laughs> scribes in the north. Uh, you know, we, we harmed world rugby by being really good against Argentina. Yeah, how dare you play so well that um, you, you you blow the side out at half, by half time and um, you, you, you basically ruined the, the World Cup. And we both did actually run. We ruined rugby by getting to the final again because we knocked out France and Ireland. And um, how, how dare we just ruin rugby again? How heartbreak, or not, obviously your heart hasn't broken, but how stressful was that game against England? You've done it again. You're back from the dead again. You're rising from the grave again. You mentioned the, the other week that we need to be about 10 foot deep to, to, to bury South Africa. I think it's probably 15 foot now. I, at 15 sticks, I think I thought it was game over. And Aaron Farrell Far got that drop goal. It kind of looked like we just wanted the races, and it looked like, you know what? This is it. But once again, we found a way to, to score a try, found a way to put together one good, one great attack in, in, about any, in 80 minutes and um, outlasted England again. I mean, it was a very stressful game. Um, I probably recovered about probably Monday night where I realized we actually threw the World Cup final. I still got a little bit of PTSD from that game. But um, 
Yeah, just happy to be back in the final. Uh, incredible. The Zombok apocalypses I've been joking over the last couple of weeks, you've got to bury them 10 feet deep. I'd like to know what movie is it? Is it Return of the Living Box? Night of the Living Dead Box? Nightmare on Box Street? What, what is it? What is it? The, the resilience this group has. It's got to be Nightmare on Box Street. That's just the resilience. I think you've got to be... I think that the bench with the Springboks has been at operating at an incredible level. The bench was good um, against France and, and, and very, very good against England. Yes, I mean, last week, I mean, Oxen Chair... Andre Pollard, I mean, uh, his name, I mean, everyone stepped up for the bench. I thought the, uh, the bench was phenomenal. I think Faf Duclair coming on and changing. And also, the scariest thing is the fact that, I mean, we pulled off some such experienced players. Yeah, Dia Kulis went off early. Evan Esabeth went off early. Dwayne Familia went off early. So, it's you almost got to beat two sides when you're back against the Springboks. And luckily, the bench has stepped up every time they've been asked to. Yeah, and that try, the only try that was finished off by Arche Snyman. Was there anyone on the planet who didn't think you were going to maul that line-out? Because you caught England by surprise. Oh, well, the, the, the funny thing is, it's, it's almost, it's almost credit, credit to England because we tried to maul them quite early and they, and they managed to stop our maul twice when, when you could have gone for poles. And I think and I, and I think England defended the maul so well that we actually had to sort of try something different. And... Um, and it's probably the one piece of trickery we were able to do. I mean, it's probably the one, one of the few mistakes England made. I thought England was fantastic. Um, I, I just don't think they could have played any better. And um, I, I just think the three box ability there, like you said, to, to stay in the fight, and we did. And, I, and it was, it was sort of the sort of game where you felt like you needed a try, one try would win it, and likely we got it. Through 60, 65 minutes before the comeback, I, I was so confused about the Springbok performance. I, I actually would label the movie Invasion of the Box Snatchers because I, I didn't really recognise them through the first hour. Were, were they rattled? Were, is, is that a worry, heading into a final? I don't think they were rattled. I think, I think it was a combination of, I think, going into that game, I think the, 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 emotional, the, the emotional toll, I think the France game, was was still there, I think, and um, and I thought England. Was, I think it was more good England than bad Springbok. I think England was very good, and they and they they kicked well, they contested well, and they sort of never allowed the box to sort of settle and get into that game. And I think and I think that was the big difference. I sort of the way, and you could t kind of tell with the with the conditions as well. The rain came out. And it wasn't going to be the game like we had against France. It was it was going to be a lot more more tactical. It was going to be a lot of kicking. Um, I remember saying to mates um, actually at the start of the game, and I said, "Like brace yourself for if you if, if you if you're looking for for a try spectacle, this is not, this is not the week. <laughs> this could be a one try game, and it's going to be full of penalties." And I thought England was able to put the box under pressure in terms of set piece and kicking wall, and they just never allowed us to get into the game and get into and get into some rhythm. So are you telling me the template there is for the All Blacks to repeat what England did? So that's kicking possession away 93% of the time. You, you want New Zealand to kick it 93% of the time, do you? <laughs> I think, I mean, New Zealand, I mean, when you, when you guys beat us at, at Mount Smart earlier in the year, you guys kicked very well. It was something that mm. you, you, your kick game actually kind of put us under tremendous pressure. And it wasn't just long box kicks, it was small kicks, attacking kicks, uh, 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 bottom battle chips over the defense, or in Rishi Mohanga cross, cross kicks at Aaron Smith's um, high ball. So I think it's you have many ways to beat us. I think it's that's the one thing we know as well. But I think if you if you kick well against the Springboks, it's a very it's, it's a hard thing to do because we we back our kicking game. But if you kick well, 
it's it, you can't put this promotion under pressure. I think you guys obviously we there's so much to worry about. It's you guys and you you peaking at you peaking at the right time, which is absolutely scary as well. What about the vibe? Let's talk the vibe and feels in South Africa. What's it like at the moment, not only with the Springboks and another Rugby World Cup final, a chance for them to defend their crown for the first time, but also your pro tiers are scoring runs for fun. It's almost like you've got a cricket team too. Well, the pro tiers one is different because we saw, we've we've, we've had lots of heartbreak come Cricket World Cup, so it, it, they, it's still tentative. You know, it's, it's still, right. we, never, yeah. we never actually feel at ease with them until... We, 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 there's too much heartbreak there, but there's a big sense of excitement. I think you playing the old rival, it's the big, it's the biggest game in the sport. I know the, the Northern Hemisphere guys won't agree, but Springboks All Blacks is the ultimate rivalry. And to get it again in a World Cup final, how often do you get that in the world stage to get oh, you, the two biggest sides, the two most successful sides? I mean, the winner here, when it becomes the first team to win the four World Cups, you've got the most successful teams in the world. You've got the biggest rivalry, so for us, we're extremely excited. I think it's a, it's, it's strange. I mean, there's a big vibe. The nerves are starting to kick in. I think we, as a country as a whole, we've just recovered from England, which it took a the England game took a big toll from us as fans as a country. So <laughs> we've just recovered from the England. We're sort of going towards the nerves are kicking in for Saturday. Does does the bandwagon get fold? Like when it, when a team goes on a roll like this, does it drag the nation along? Do you notice people getting in behind the team? It's absolutely wild down here. It's um, it is wild things on Saturday. You know, um, you, you look around social media. I mean, pubs were absolutely packed. Um, the place I watched with, I was actually not working, so I was going to go watch with some mates. It was the first time the pub actually to stop people from coming in. Just there's just no space. I mean, there's about. A thousand people, hundreds of people. There's so many areas around Joburg where I stay, where just you couldn't find a game. You look at this week. There's like if if you haven't booked if you haven't booked a place to watch or a table by now, you you can watch the game at home. I mean that's how the vibe has been. You look at all over South Africa, the the the, the support that people are, especially the Springboks. We're so connected to the Springboks. It's it's it's, it's something amazing, you know. I think and now obviously being on the brink of history is the first time we could possibly go back to back. I think 2019 was a story of hope. We didn't expect to, we were just confidence, but we didn't expect to. And I think this year we will, we came in with the confidence that we actually are one of the favorites. So now that we're here, it's, I mean, it's, it's absolutely epic down here on a block there. Let me embrace my inner Russi. Um, it's yours to lose, right? You're the defending champs. You've got through the tight games. We're in a walkover. We're not battle-tested. You've beaten a host of teams inside the top six. You've got the best coaches. It's yours to lose, isn't it? We, we got a free hit. Hey, listen, we've, we, we just survived a, a semi-final and a, and, a, and a quarter-final. It was tough. I mean, you guys pretty much could have stopped playing rugby after half-time. Could have made whole changes. So you, you actually were arrested. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, it, it, it's, it, it, it's actually it's hard to pick a favourite, you know. I mean, there's so many factors you can tell. You know you know how we are. We, you could say, we could say that you aren't bail hard enough the last week, but you can counter it and say, we, we, still, we can still dig deep in the tank because you, you sort of played that well last weekend. Yeah, you haven't had to go down to the wall since the Ireland game. I mean, so it's it's, it's one of those things where it's absolutely scary. But how's it how's it on that side? I mean, how's the nerves? Like, how are you guys feeling? I mean, we we, we we can only see it from 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 the guys in the breakdown. So we we, we pretty much judge your guys' views on um, <laughs> John Cohen and the boys. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
if that is the right thing to do, Cooks. I, I'm not sure if that is a true reflection of New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand rugby fans, I think, are just delighted where we've come from, say, 12 months, 18 months ago, to where we are now, the footy we're playing. Um, and, and we have much respect for South Africa, and we can know this can go either way. We, we've seen it not only this year at Mount Smart, but then the return game at Twickers. We saw it the year before when they split the matches one all. Um, and the year before that, there's just nothing between these sides, right? And I got asked a question by one of my callers yesterday, who's the best team? And I can't answer that. Um, I can only answer that about, you know, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning New Zealand time. But um, you guys obviously beat us quite handsomely last time. Will will that be a key cog in Russie's game plan as far as winding us up? What tricks has Russie got for us this week, you think? I think... I think a lot has changed since that Twickenham game. For, number, for starters, you guys are full strength. I think that's going to be a, a different factor. I mean, I, I think there's no Frizzell, there was no, there was no Julie Barrett. There was, I mean, George Lord was playing. It was, it was, it was, it was so you weren't fully strength. I mean, so I think this, the, the, the template there, obviously, I think we'll still want to implement. Obviously, I thought our forwards were absolutely dominant that day. I thought our more was good. I think the, the, we played with, with, with the sort of tempo that. That um, sort of pins you guys in your own half. I think we'll definitely try and I think we'll definitely try and recreate that. But I, but we also know that we also have to sort of. I, 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 my worry is that we can't have a bad start again for the third straight week. We sort of have to yeah. start off well, and 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 and, and, the, the, and you guys have actually had tremendous starts the last three weeks. Sort of the polar opposite to us in, in terms of starting the game well. So we. We we are worried about that, but we do think like the scary part with Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick, all the guys, Aaron Frizzell, Aaron Smith. I still have I still have nightmares of the of the way Aaron Smith spoke about against Ireland. His eyes, the determination there. I'm hoping he's not doing any interviews this week. <laughs> Who is the key in the South African unit? If you had to single out one man, that if he that needs to play sort of a nine out of ten, ten out of ten, uh, who do you think that would be? I think it's hard to look past um, yeah, but it's the best. I mean, I mean, it's hard to single one. I think he's probably the big one, but I think the big one for me is probably Bongin Bonambi. Um, obviously, him being the the lone out and hooker, I think he needs to have a, a massive game because I do think that the All Blacks would look to target this Primo line out as Ireland and England did. So I think that's a big area for I think it's a big area for the All Blacks can target. And also, Bongi sort of closed out the last few the two playoff games as captain. Because you know, Messi has gone off early, Duane for me has gone off early, Everman went off early, but Duane Bongi sort of finished the last two games as captain and sort of rallied the boys and been extremely key in 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 riding the ship and and, and fixing the ship in the last two weeks. So I think that's going to be he's going to be absolutely massive. I mean, Andre Polo's there, but I think Bongi Bonambi is the big key for the weekend. Well, Bongi is in the news for obvious reasons, right? The alleged uh, racism. I've watched the tapes. I can't decipher a thing. As far I can't even, uh, un, you know, really make out what they're saying. I don't know how you prove this. Uh, it would be a case of hearsay, of course. I, I am loving though the amateur uh, defence attorneys across South Africa that have rushed to social media to say this is absolutely Afrikaans, absolutely Afrikaans. <laughs> are, are you a little bit worried? That, that he might face a sanction here? Or are you like me? You're just confused as to anyone being able to make any sense of what was said? I think confusion is the big one. Um, yeah, just as confused. I think, um, obviously, these are, I mean, it is serious, serious allegations. So, um, and, 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 and there is the argument after the, the clip has come out. So, 
but apparently there was they're saying that it happened off the field. So it's actually more, it's becoming more confusing as the days go. Wow. So um, I, 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 I'm hoping they come to a solution for this because it's sort of it's sort of taking away on what the how big this week is and what the occasion is. I mean, we've got Springbok yeah, Wallace, Springbok All Blacks final, and this is sort of tainting it in terms of how it's starting the week. But yeah, I'm just as confused. You know, I mean, it's, I've seen. Many theories and many uh, many theories and many and many that's being said. I mean, obviously, Bongi, you could see how how angry he was after the game in terms of that. But um, yeah, so I'm just hoping there's some clarity around this. So that at least he can move on and the players can move on. Yeah, that's that's very fair. Um, it is dragging. It is dragging for sure. Uh, and things that I can prove and crimes that I can prove. If you actually go watch the tape that's uh, floating around, what about? Farrell butchering a three-on-one down that short side. Thank God he kicked the ball away, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing with the clip. Uh, it's like there's a huge gap. I mean, what are you doing? Thank goodness. We might we might have a different type of phone call this week if, if, if you actually passed it. <laughs> hey, what's your take on the new Rugby Nations Championship that's been uh, announced and ratified by World Rugby? It seems like they're, I'm calling them the 12 Disciples, who get to, to feed at the trough of World Rugby at the head table. Um, are you a little bit disappointed that there's not a broader church here? I'm getting very religious on things. Sport is religion after all. Um, I, I'm not overly comfortable that it's a bit of a closed shop un- through until 2030 by the looks where promotion relegation can come in. Is, is that how you how you read it as well? Or does it make sense to actually let the best play each other? I, I'm frustrated because the best do have a competition, you know, Six Nations Rugby Championship, and we end up playing each other in June and and, and November anyway, yeah. October anyway. So you look at the World Cup, you look at sides like Portugal, you look at sides like, you know, like, who are great story, like Namibia, Uruguay, who need to actually keep playing the national teams, who need to play against the All Blacks side. I mean, imagine the revenue a side like Portugal can make if they play the All Blacks you know, once every second year. Like one test or the Springboks yeah. go and tour to Uruguay and things like that. Where you think with World Rugby, like the, we, you, the, the, you, they'll, they'll sort of open these things up. But it is frustrating, you know. I think, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much going on. I think we need to try to figure out the global calendar. Um, and But like sort of add another competition in, in, in two other competitions. Because, you know, what happens to the Rugby Championship in those days? What happens to the... To the, to the Six Nations. So it's just sad to know that uh, Assad's like Georgia, Portugal, and, and are only going to get in the mix in 2030. I mean, that's seven years from now. Yeah. I know, mate. We could be dead uh, for all we know. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit morbid. Let's finish with this. Go on. Tell me, how does the final play out? I, I smell extra time, mate. And I told you last week, Madiba's not there to help you out. There's no 747 to help you out. Uh, there's no Joel Stransky. How's this one play out, mate? Go on, Cooks. Lay it all on the line. You know how things going to be. I mean, I, I mean, the '95. Obviously, there was Joe Stransky and the alleged food poisoning as well. You guys claim. I mean, I just, I just think you always had a bad curry, but it's fine. Um, I just, and then you, you look at the last game. I think it's going to be an absolute ripper. I think it's going to be similar to Ellis Park, to be honest with you. From last year, I think I, it, I can't remember an All Black Springbok game being a sort of penalty fest of a, a 15, a, an 18-15. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a high-scoring game, something like a 32-30, uh, potentially extra time. So 
obviously I got to stick with the spring box to sort of come in to, 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 to steal it at the end. I think Andre Paul has got one more big kick in him, but I definitely think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think we, the All Blacks, you guys know how to get it on a rush defense. You don't fear our rush defense. You, you you back yourselves to score points against us, and I think we also feel like we can use our mall and things like that to sort of score past you as well. So I do think there will be points, and I think it's the rivalry is so epic that yeah, we, it's not it's not the sort of game that it will be a penalty face. I, I don't think we are. Like, I don't think I, I don't think we do that anymore. Well, Cooks, it's been a real treat having you on the show over the last couple of weeks. Enjoy it, my friend. Um, it sounds like it's going to be a belter if it goes that way. High scoring possibly extra time. What a terrible advertisement for World Rugby that would be. Um, and may the best <laughs> team win. May the best team win. I'm just saying, you know, if the Springboks win, I'd like to be invited back next week, but if the All Blacks win, then you can't delete my number. Oh, no, we're pulling the cord, mate. We'll go, go, we'll go off here for good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, all right. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks, mate. All the best, Cooks. We'll, ca- we'll catch you next all week. The best. Thanks so much, buddy. Enjoy it. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Enjoy this Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 28 minutes after 10 o'clock. Our number is 0800 150 811. You can text us on double eight double three. hope you enjoyed our chat with our cooks. He's uh, good fun, isn't he? Um, would de- will we call him next week? If if we lose, probably not, will we? We'll move on. We'll act as if the Rugby World Cup never happened, right, Louis? I don't know. No national teeth in New Zealand? I've, no. kind of, I've kind of lost all... I've lost all... Um, Sanity? What I thought I... What I um, yeah, no. Well, maybe. I've just lost, I guess, all perspective on what I thought I knew about how I was feeling about the Rugby World Cup. I just, I'm in a state of flux. I don't even know. I just don't know. The, the All Blacks are so much better than they thought they could, and now I feel like we can win a Rugby World Cup, and we probably will. And that's a it's a beautiful feeling, but it's a confusing one. I love that. Probably it's pretty confident. Carl writes, "Hi, Louis. Do you have a tip for the Geelong Cup?" No, he's discombobulated. He he doesn't know which way's up or down or, or roundabout. Um, and I take his tips with a huge grain of salt, right? Something like that. Ferg, yes. thank you for clarifying. Ferg, Ferg writes, uh, "Yep, agreed. That's what I meant." They wouldn't have made an announcement by now, unproven, in quotes, or otherwise. Thanks, Ferg. Um, I hope I didn't come at you too hard. Um, see where you're coming from now. The Rusty Erasmus desk. We're, we're proud owners of the Rusty Erasmus desk. It hasn't been particularly full over the last few days, uh, Louis Herman Watt. Have you got anything from the Rusty Erasmus desk? Nope, just, just old highlights of him. Uh, in the team rooms telling players that the only reason he subs them is, is not because they make a mistake, but because they stop applying themselves. That's all I can find. Just old heritage clips. Wow. So is his Jedi mind trick this week silence? Because it's making me feel uncomfortable. It's working on me. He, he, you want him where you can see him. He's slipping. <laughs> They've got the bomb squad. What do we have? Well, flanker Dalton Papali uh, says New Zealand must give it hell to overcome South Africa and their bomb squad. Um, and he says, and I make a little joke, you know they've got the bomb squad, so we have easy company. Yeah, the, the gap tells you everything, doesn't it? 
I don't <laughs> like it when, when sports teams <laughs> try to compare themselves to actual war. You're not a parachute battalion being dropped into oh. enemy territory. But I get it. I know. I know. It's an attempt at a joke. <laughs> I won't overreact. Um, he also added that they need to finish the job of being in the trenches. No. No, you're not in the trenches, literally. Um, but yes, shall we leave that alone? Yeah. He's, he's, he's telling me quick hands, quick hands. 29 away from 11 o'clock. What's coming up on the show? Well, we'll catch up with a couple of white ferns after 11 o'clock. Georgia Plummer and Amelia Kerr is going to join us in studio. Of course, SNZ home of uh, every Black Caps and White Ferns game uh, this coming summer. We cannot wait to provide you that. Coming up, though, here is the very latest in, in news and sport with Aroha. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Radio, we're at Gore today, where I was to start the week. What a wonderful part of the world. Just don't stay at Traffers Bar past dark, was the tip going around. And a couple of tips for today. Well, I don't know if we'll be tipping this one out, but it's a nice enough little meet here. And in race two, there's a maiden field. And if you're picking horses by names like Daniel, and you're also very familiar and you like an omen bet, well, here is the omen bet for someone like Daniel. Actually, Daniel in particular. It's called The Hangover. The Hangover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, race two, number three, the hangover. And in all seriousness, uh, the Dennis Bros, very, very good trainers. Uh, we've got, of course, um, Kylie Williams riding for them. It's Akinto Gelding. He is five. They've taken their time with him. Um, he has trialed. He's won a local jump out. So there's money on, and the locals theoretically should be knowing. Uh, race seven, open handicap, and it's good to see Humbucker. For Alice Winslow back at the race, it's Kylie Williams again takes the reins there. So nice to see Humbucker, and uh, I guess one each way bet if I was having one today would be Industrialist, race eight. Um, Industrialist, Tina Komanyagi rides. I like the place more more than the win just because she's got a wide gate from barrier 12. So that's what's going on at Gore. As Carl points out, the Geelong Cup's on, a uh, plethora of horses that are the staying types. Now, there's one in there, one in there, Carl, that I won't tip here because it would be irresponsible to be tipping it, but I just say that Chris Waller's stable had a, a very big opinion of Mr. Waterville, and he has not been good this preparation, but he's got class. He was meant to be a, a pretty high-class import, and he's at $18, $4.80, so who knows, but look, there's a, a, a bunch of good stayers there, and they'll all have their chance. And, of course, Cox Plate this weekend, so that means um, our show on Friday will be wall-to-wall replays of every Cox Plate back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So if you were thinking about listening to Daniel McCarty on Friday, you were mistaken. So that's loveracing.nz, and that is also a joke. It's for those that couldn't quite grasp that one, Daniel. Thank you. It's it's always better when we have to write receipts for our jokes after. It's generally a good sign of how how good our jokes are when we say that's a joke. Don't worry, I do that a lot too. It's the, my my jokes are bad. Uh, Kyle writes, and I could not agree with you more. What a weekend of sport for New Zealand coming up. We thought last weekend was big league Kiwis v Aussies, uh, women's league cricket World Cup Kiwis v Aussies, uh, women's rugby South Africa v the All Blacks. Excited all nighter Saturday for cricket and league. Question. Why did South Africa not select another hooker when Marks got injured? Well, that's a very, very good question, one we all pondered at the time, and we basically don't know. Oh, it was a way to cram in Andre Pollard into your squad. 
That's right. But then it was the other injury, wasn't it? Lukan Yuam came in. They could have gone for a hooker. Ah, dear. Let's hope Bonga Banami does not get um, found guilty because they'll be in quite the pickle. It's time to take a break, and the bulletin with Tom Bartlett is up next. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Bulletin. It's 18 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Tom Bartlett joins me for the Bulletin uh, from News Hub. Hello, Mr. Bartlett. Good morning, Daniel McCarthy. How are you? I'm, I'm uh, a nervous wreck because I've just switched over to Sky Sport 2 and the All Blacks are doing the hucker ahead of the 1995 Rugby World Cup final. <laughs> with South Africa standing on halfway, creeping ahead of a halfway. James Small looks the angriest man alive. Um, oh, yeah. Um, wow, Cobra's visa. Cobra's visa is creeping forward. The man mountain. He looks bigger than Jonah because he is. Yeah. Oh, oh, the memories, eh, Tom? Oh, the memories. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, um, I love the history of the game and I remember very clearly the 95 World Cup final getting up in the middle of the night with uh, my dad as a 13 or 14 year old. I remember crying full time uh, because we hadn't won. Um, and I remember Jonah and thinking, why couldn't he do what he did against England against South Africa? All these, uh, very clear in my mind as a, as a young, as a young boy, you know, growing up watching that game, what a final that was and what a moment that was. Uh, and it's unbelievable. It's hard to believe, Daniel. It's been 28 years since that that yeah. game. I, I find it sort of staggering that the Springboks and the All Blacks have not fired for a final against each other in all that time. It's it's quite unbelievable, really. Yeah, and that's why I'm so excited for it. And I know people in other parts of the rugby globe are, aren't particularly fired up for it, but, you know, two most successful sides meeting for the first time in 28 years. It's a, it's a, it's a barnstormer. I, I don't have any memories of that final. I think I'm suffering PTSD. Uh, we briefly talked about this on the show last week. We'll, we'll ask our, our listeners um, tomorrow if they've got any memories of it. But right now, the here and the now, uh, World Rugby, interesting time to drop a hugely significant piece of news as far as changing the landscape of the modern game. Uh, not in the near term, not with real matter of urgency, not from 2026 onwards. You know, newsman that you are, how big a deal is this, Tom? Yeah, look, I see so much talk about, isn't it? The global calendar and all this kind of jazz. I mean, it's not really a global calendar, is it? I mean, it's uh, yes, we've got some, some uniformity there around a couple of competitions, but I don't like hearing that phrase, global calendar, because that would suggest that everybody starts playing at one time of the year and they finish at the same time of the year, which this is not happening. This is still, we still have um, rugby played in different hemispheres at different times. It's not like football when the calendar has been uniform. So I think that's important uh, to note. This is not a... And in fact, you know what it doesn't, from a New Zealand perspective, Daniel, it doesn't, doesn't change a lot. We're still going to play Six Nations teams in July. We're still going to play them in November. The, the bigger issue with this announcement today is around the, the second tier teams, the Samoa, Tonga, um, you know, the South Americans, the, the, the tier two nations, and the impact this has on, on them. And clearly they are not happy with what they've been presented. They want to play games against... Uh, the top tier nations, and this isn't going to help them. So, um, you know, it's a it's a funny one, isn't it, to drop it in the week of a World Cup final. I suppose they realised they had the the eyes of the world rugby media on them. Now uh, this was the time to make uh, to make that announcement, uh, to have the discussion about it. But uh, it certainly leaves uh, a few questions there. It's not like it's a stunning revelation that this competition's been signed off, but. I can see and I sense the frustration that's going to come out of those second-tier nations, particularly after what we saw in the World Cup with the Portugals and the Uruguays and those kind of countries, that, that this is not going to help them. Yeah, hard to win them over when you say to them, hey, but wait, you get a chance of promotion. 
Let me check my notes. In 2030. Seven years away. I mean, crikey. Crikey, it's seven years away. Like, why are we waiting for seven years? I know that these things oh, too take, hard take a while to get through, but it's too hard. Mate, that is exactly it. It's too hard to, to kind of get it together. I mean, they're not launching this, of course, until, as you say, 2026. So there's some time to go yet. But um, to then say, oh, by the way, we need another four years to try to sort out what... Uh, oh, it just it probably tells you everything you need to know about where the mindset is around really the development of the Tier 2 nations. And, and it's not... World Rugby's not trying. I'm sure there are some smart guys and, and men and women in that in that organisation that are trying to work out the best way to develop this stuff, but uh, you can't help um, but uh, kind of nod along when you hear the likes of Gus Bichot and those guys saying it's the rich getting richer. It, it, it kind of feels a bit like that, doesn't it? Certainly uh, the top teams are getting... Uh, it's all sorted. The top 12, we're all good. No problem, nothing to see here. Uh, the rest, hey, um, come to the World Cup every four years um, and join the party, but... Uh, I can see why they would walk away thinking, well, thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. I know you're feeding yourself um, like a madman at the buffet of the Cricket and Rugby World Cup. So are you more nervous oh, about yeah. the Black Caps or the All Blacks? <laughs> um, great question. Great question. I'm, all, I'm always nervous about the Black Caps. I always will be, I think. Um, that's yeah. Yeah. Ingrained. Yeah. That's another one that's been yeah. ingrained over yeah. many years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perhaps I've got more confidence about Sunday morning, um, although I'm not entirely sure how, how Sunday morning's going to go. Um, but in terms of the, the cricketers, um, I suppose at this point we can afford to drop games and we can still make the semi-final. So uh, not the same amount of nerves, but I would love us to get over the top of Australia this weekend and just, just calm all the kind of possible semi-final jitters that I feel are already starting after the loss to India, having India in a position where you could could have beaten them and then to not do that. It just leaves slightly exposed if you have a couple of bad performances and, and you leave it all down to that one game against Sri Lanka to sneak in. So um, it would be great, wouldn't it, if the Black Caps could um, just settle a few nerves in the early hours of Sunday morning New Zealand time ahead of the Rugby World Cup final by putting one up over the Aussies. Wouldn't that be nice? Why couldn't Jonah get the bounce of the ball in the final from the Graham Bashup pass unlike the semi-final? Yeah. For, uh, you know, ah. Uh... I, didn't, I don't oh, remember that. Go, I, I don't remember that, but, but now I do. Now I'm so good at the scene anyway. I'm, you know you're going to remember all this stuff. You know you're going to remember. It's all these bad memories are going to come. But you shouldn't watch that game. I tell you, that was a foolish mistake. Oh, brilliant. Eight and I moved on the right hand Eight and I moved. Oswald makes a break. The continuity. Fantastic. Wide pass. Ball bounces high over Jonah's head. He would have sprinted in and scored. Anyway. Uh, Australia aren't out of it. South Africa aren't out of it. Uh, South Africa rolling on, India near the top, New Zealand. Is that the final four? I, I, for me, it is already. Um, I find already that Pakistan are going to struggle. I think we saw they're just not quite firing. They've got some wonderful players, but they just seem to not be quite clicking at the moment, and that, that loss they had to Afghanistan hasn't helped them. And then you've got a collection of teams uh, that are hovering that I just don't think are going to probably cancel each other out and that's why that four that you mentioned probably are likely to be. I mean, who who knows? Someone goes on a run and that, that can happen but uh, it feels even at this point, unlike 2019, Daniel, where it felt like there are a lot there are a lot of more teams hovering in that sort of five, six, seven positions at this stage that were very much in it. There's almost a little bit of a separation. Um, I mean, South Africa looks pretty good, don't they? India, there's no way they're missing out. Um, Australia are always there or thereabouts, and New Zealand are doing enough and have done enough already to get themselves into a position where really they only need a couple more wins and they're there. So it feels a bit like the four are locked in. But sport's a funny thing, isn't it? The bounce of the ball, as you just said, with Jonah. Yeah. 
uh, Kiwis Australia sort of, sort of sliding under the radar because of the World Cups. But boy, oh boy, I think we're going to be fizz when that comes around. Quite a statement by the Kiwis putting 50 on Tua Samoa. I know Tua Samoa had to play in back-to-back weeks, but this is going to be an awesome game this weekend. Should be, shouldn't it? It's got all the, the makings of it. I mean, that Kiwis performance, you can only, you know, I mean, I know it's a sporting cliche and you hear all the things, you can only play what's in front of you and they, they play what's in front of them pretty damn well uh, in the weekend. Uh, and the Kangaroos, I mean, remember Michael Maguire, you know, yeah, it's not a great record in terms of the head-to-head against the Kangaroos. It's pretty much owned by Australia, but you know, they, they didn't exactly get thumped in that semi-final of the World Cup last year, and they've put a good performance. They'll be feeling good about things. They've got some players, obviously, in that Kiwis team who are coming off big NRL seasons, very successful NRL seasons, um, and so there's some confidence in that squad. So if I was uh, the Kangaroos, I'd be just having a little look over my shoulder and thinking, yeah, we, we need to be up for this because um, they're coming. They'll, they'll be ready. So should be a cracker. Um. How much money would I have to give you, Tom Bartlett, as we wrap this up, to run 540Ks um, and three and a half days with virtually no sleep? I'm talking about the Kiwi, uh, Sam Harvey, who's trying to break the world record at the Backyard Ultramarathon World Championships in the United States. He's going to run basically for three and a half days. Oh, Jesus. Um, how much money? All the money in the world? All the money in the I don't think even that. I just think I'd be going you know, to get bit busy living, you know, um, more, more to the... What's he running from? I mean, that like That's what I'd like to know. What's he running from? Okay, Sam, I mean, what are you running from, mate? Let, let's get to the root of the issue. <laughs> I feel like that's a good question. If I had something that I was running from and I was prepared to run 540k, I like the hell it was. I like to think it was pretty scary. So um, everyone's got their motivation. I mean, talk about human endurance. The, the human, um, you know, body can do amazing things. I, I hope you can walk at the end of it. That's all I'll say. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate your time. Go enjoy it. All good. Thanks, mate. A uh, couple of texts. Uh, Rory writes, what would a horse called the hangovers favourite beer be, question mark, an export geld? On the uh, horse racing joke front, Louis, uh, what do you score that one at? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Export gold. Yeah, geld even. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, and Dan writes, so yes, Daniel Cobus is massive. Nothing a bit of sesame seed can't fix, though. Very good. I've bored Louis with a story many a time. I was commentating at Alice Park. All Blacks, uh, South Africa in front of me was the Afrikaans commentary team including Cobus Visa, and during the game, Cobus stood up. And he wears these huge high heel sort of high-platform boots anyway. And he stood up, and he blocked the whole field. The ho- Imagine that. Someone's standing up blocking the whole field, and they're about a metre in front of you. He was that big. Absolute, enormous human being. Um, yeah, there's a pointless story. You've just wasted eight seconds of your life. Back after this break. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Two minutes away from 11 o'clock. It's my version of the rewatchables, watching the World Cup final from 95 again. Jonah makes that break. Use Funder Vest and makes that tag. I remember that bit. I remember that bit, Louis. Anyway, you've got more important things. Are we breaching any sort of uh, commentary rights if we just got you to call the rest of this game for the rest of the show today? Like, is, that, is there any infringements that we'd be tiptoeing around? I don't know. Um, it's, it's happened previously. The re-commentatables. Yeah. 
And, it is, and it what is. rule? And what rules would you like me to impl- apply to the commentary? The rules of 1995 or 2023? Because I can tell you, Frank Bunce would already have been sent off. Well, you need eight to pack a scrum. So, well, I suppose you don't actually. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how many players we could get down to. Hey, I've found some interesting odds for you. Tab.co.nz. Remember that our SCNZ Punters Club for Cup Week is live. You can go there and have a bet. You can just put whatever, however much big or small you want. We're punting all Cup Week long, and it's only in about two and a half weeks coming up. Um, but, Daniel, I found the odds for the Cricket World Cup outright. India. $2 favourites to win the tournament. Wow. Wow, that's pretty warm. That's pretty hot. And name the finalists. Wow, wow, wow. They've got India, South Africa, the best combination at $3. Then they've got Australia, India at $3.25, ahead of India, New Zealand at $3.75. The disrespect. Well... We did try to say they were out of the tournament. Well, some did. Don't trust Australian cricketers. Never trust Australian cricketers. They're never out to they're out. Uh, we're going to have some White Ferns cricketers join us after the news at 11 o'clock. It's on the way right now. Uh, a an employment relation uh, matter. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, basically. We'll, we'll go with that. So hopefully you have sent that to the wrong number. Um, and we've got one here from Ona in Tokumaru Bay. Uh, Maureen Daniel Well said, ABs are the greatest rugby team in the world, at least to compare them to past war experiences. So wrong in so many ways. It's only a game. Uh, thank you, and I do appreciate it. Double eight, double three. That's how you send your text messages to us, and we absolutely love receiving uh, your messages. We really, really do. So keep them uh, rolling in. Uh, as far as uh, coming up later this hour, uh, we've got a rural roundup uh, preview with Andy Thompson. We'll have the Polaris Sports Desk as well. But right now, we are joined in studio in Auckland uh, by a couple of uh, white ferns. Um, I can't see them. Hopefully, they can see me and hear me. Um, something's gone very weird with my screen. I've just got myself looking at myself, and that's really <laughs> off-putting. Georgia Plummer and uh, Millie Kerr join the program. How you doing? We're good. We're good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm okay. Look, I think I can see you. Now you've popped off. Anywho, <laughs> it's been a busy time. It's been a busy time for the White Ferns. We can uh, say they've been in uh, Sri Lanka through June and July, then... Uh, South Africa over September and October. And, of course, um, their game's coming to our airwaves here on SCNZ. We're hugely proud to be the host and um, exclusive broadcaster of New Zealand cricket this coming summer. The White Ferns uh, in action, 3rd of December against Pakistan. I think their season at home starts. We've got every single White Ferns games and uh, Black Caps games. Uh, we cannot wait. and We cannot wait to follow their progress. So how's it been, Mila? Has it been a bit of a whirlwind few months being on the road so much? Yeah, it's been pretty busy. I mean, it's awesome now that we're getting these opportunities to play so much cricket. But, yeah, it's been full on and, um, you know, there's been some good times and there's been some tough ones um, in terms of performances, but that's sport. And, yeah, it's a, it's a great group to travel with. I absolutely love playing for the White Ferns. And, um, yeah, we're excited, though, to have more cricket and play at home because there's nothing better than that in front of your people. So that's going to be special for us and hopefully a big summer. Uh, George is with us as well. Uh, what's the experience being on the road been like for you 
Um, it's been a whirlwind couple of years. You're not even 20, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> You've already seen a whole heap, haven't you? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty incredible uh, to go away with the team at such a young age, and I think it's been great having the younger uh, wee crew of us that have all got to see how everyone goes about their work. And I think over the, the last couple of years, we've definitely been able to see how everyone kind of goes about their work and all individually um, try and get to that get to that next level. For you, Georgia, now you were called into the World Cup squad. Was it Lauren Down had a, an injury just on the cusp? Obviously, he's thrown into that massive tournament. Now, now you've had a little bit more experience. You know, how do you describe it from regard to making you a better cricketer? Yeah, definitely. I think um, just being around the crew that have obviously there's a lot of players that have been in there for a while now, like Susie's and the Sophie's and the Leah's, and just being able to be a sponge in that sort of environment and learn off them. And I think the coaches that we have at the moment have been absolutely brilliant. I've loved working with um, Dean Brownlee and just working out what my game looks like, obviously coming in at such a young age and really kind of being thrown into figuring out how my game goes and how I want to be as a player. So they've been really, really good with that, trying to get me in and try and work up my game at such a high level. Uh, how important is it, Melee, for the senior players, and I'll put you in there knowing full well you're still very, very young yourself, <laughs> um, to help the younger players come on through? Or do they need to be sort of self-sufficient? You're there to help um, from time to time, but you can't really be a crutch, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, obviously. Everyone, everyone's had a go at being the young one. Everyone's had a go at being the newbie yeah. in the team. So you have that experience yourself, but everyone's experience is obviously slightly different. And um, yeah, I guess I'm in a nice. I feel I'm in a nice position where, you know, I've been around a while and played played a fair few games. Um, but I'm also not too old, <laughs> so um, you can almost relate a little bit more to those players coming through and. For me, I, I'm probably bigger on just trying to lead by example and not talk too much, but just go about my business in my way and, and work hard and compete hard. And um, that's that's what I enjoy doing. But yeah, obviously, it's been awesome having this group come through. And um, I think we're just improving so much as a team. And yeah, it's, it's been nice. I've loved working with the spinners, um, the young spinners that have come through. We've got a nice batting group that has done really well, I think, um, in, our pre in, our, in our last two tours. And we've got a great coach with Ben and Dean and that as well. So, yeah, if I, if I can help in any way, I obviously want to, but I don't have all the answers and I think there's ways they can <laughs> help me also. So, you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be saying too much of the wrong stuff, so sometimes I keep quiet. <laughs> You're not claiming to be middle-aged as a yeah, cricketer. middle-aged woman. You're, 20, you're, tw you're, yeah, you're 23. 23. Um, ben, let's talk about Ben Sawyer uh, like, and what he's added to the group. Uh, Georgia, from, from your young player's perspective, you know, what, what have you noticed about um, Ben coming into the group? Yeah, I think when he when he first came in, he was probably quite a, a shy guy, but he's definitely shown his colours now, um, being around the group for a bit. Um, and obviously coming from that... Uh, Australian cricket team as well that have been at such dominant force and forever pretty much. Um, I think his way of being able to show us how working as a team, obviously you want to get, get good at your cricket skills and that sort of thing, but I think it's just figuring out what sort of play we want to be and the kind of off-field stuff. I think he's been really into that and trying to get us around 
as a group as well and obviously that'll help when you're out there in, in a team and be able to lean on each other when you're out there in the harder times as well which I think has been really really refreshing. Uh, this could be a complicated one for you Millie. I want you to speak on behalf of Ben Sawyer uh, but, and say what would he be impressed with about the improvements you've made and what are the work-ons also as far as the performances on the field? Um, it's a very hard question. Uh, ben, what would he say? I think Ben absolutely loves this group and he puts so much time and care into it and so for him... I think he would say we've got a whole heap better at being well planned and we've put a lot of work into that and to try to, I guess, get more knowledge, learn more about the game and be really, really well planned and scouted so we give ourselves the best chance to succeed. I think um, he would say the care of this group and the people we have um, in it is what he enjoys most about the job and... Um, to compete harder and that's growing and that's that's a work on too um, in everything we do um, but I think he would yeah I think he would say there's so much good that sometimes people don't see behind the scenes but but we can see it and we know it and it's just about stringing performances together more consistently um, but we're close and and the yeah just the amount of care um, and how well planned Ben is as a coach is unbelievable. He loves this group, and and we can all feel that. Georgia, how big has the step up been from our domestic scene to the international environment from your perspective? Um, I think it's long sort of been questioned, and, and we've wondered, have we done enough in the past to make it easy, that transition? So, so could, could you describe to us how many sort of steps you're going up, you think? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, Obviously, in the last year with the major agreement, having a lot, a bit more money put into the domestic stuff as well, I think is obviously going to see it rise a lot. I think coming from the Wellington Blaze and Wellington Cricket have had such a good setup for the last few years. So I think that kind of made the transition a, a little bit easier in terms of um, trainings and how you want to go about your th- stuff. But I think. The biggest difference I've probably seen in the international level is just the consistency of how they can other teams can keep consistent for longer periods of time. I definitely think um, the domestic scene in New Zealand is is definitely there, and obviously you've, we've had so many players come in like Kate Anderson, and she did well in in South Africa in those last couple T20s, and she was dominant in the domestic game. So I think that just shows that. There is a stepping stone then, and I think with this um, increased um, for the domestic stuff, I think that's on, only going to see even more improvements and easier steps to get from domestic level to international. I had a good tour, didn't you, Millie, to, uh, in uh, uh, Sri Lanka, then on to South Africa. And I guess going to South Africa against one of the, the better sides, they're the places you really want to perform and win games. And I know it's a frustrating sort of series. I think weather really did, uh, you know, bite and made it quite difficult. But overall, the team left feeling what about their performances? Yeah, the, the weather really sucked. It was um, <laughs> it was a tough week uh, where we were and not being able to play those three games. I think, you know, the ODI series obviously lost that 2-1. Um, but we, I think from that series, you know, in that first game, we got ourselves into a position to win and unfortunately didn't get over the line and it, and you know, then you take that, you come away with the series. But I think, I think after that 
that series, I think the development of our batters was was huge. There were people stepping up right right through the order, and I think that's really important. And um, I think yeah, the ability to post big big totals is um, something we've definitely improved on, and. I think a lot of that goes down to the work Dean Brownlee has done with our group and our batters. And um, I think, you know, we spoke about our bowling and maybe giving a bit too much width um, early on. And in that last ODI, we um, before that, we trained really hard, made those improvements and, and bowled really well. So I think for us, there's like small minor adjustments and it's being able to do it for a longer period of time. And um, yeah, we're starting to do that. Obviously, the T20s, you know, is a two-game series, so it can be, you know, give or take, it can be quite fickle, but I think that first win was so important for us, and it, and again, we sh- probably should have been, won that second T20, and, and we didn't, and I think for us it's about that belief, and winning becomes a habit, and how can we win in those situations, and, um, you know, by playing more competing more against the world's best we're going to learn how to do that so I think yeah as a group we've definitely stepped up I think especially in the batting batting department also but um, yeah it's exciting where this team can go and I think there's so much so much improvement that's been happening and and we're competing against some of the best sides in the world like South Africa so it's exciting and there's a lot of good cricket coming up as well. Obviously, the home summer, and then we've got World Cups, and you're constantly on the road. So there's room to keep getting better, and that and that's the exciting thing. Yeah, we'll look at that in just a moment. But Georgia, for you, you know, touring, you know, your experiences of have you found it? Is it is it everything you dreamed of? Is it is it fantastic? Are there you know some lonely moments? You know, what have you learned about life on the road and being able to cope with that? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the group we have at the White Fins is definitely something incredibly special. I think everyone that comes in feels like it's a second family in that sort of sense. And obviously when cricket's such a up and down game, and I think the best thing about the group is how much we get around each other after every game. It doesn't solely depend on what's the performance out on the field, but um, how the people are. And I think that's really helped me um, kind of settle in and be able to keep taking from games and keep getting better and better and and then having the milestones and being able to get around people like Susie with her 300th game I think I think those are the special parts of a team and that's and the camaraderie you have off the field obviously can um, turn into on the field and I think yeah it's actually been such a great opportunity to get it around the world and play in some different different conditions as well which is always just going to make you a better a better player. Uh, Mealy, what's next for you? Because we've obviously got a bit of time from now through to that series starting in uh, early December. Are you heading to Australia? Someone would like to know. Yes, off to Aussie. Um, I fly over 2nd of November. First game for me is on the 4th. So, yeah, um, missing the first few games of the comp, but looking forward to getting over there and playing for Brisbane. So, uh, Richie asks, you, you're battling an injury at the moment. No injury, um, just yeah, so much cricket, and I think it's important for me to, I guess, refresh, uh, spend time with my people at home, um, also touch up on some things with trainings as well. I enjoy that because yep. sometimes when you're playing so much, it's hard to, I guess, improve on certain things. So um, yeah, it's an important period for me, and two weeks at home has been well. It's been nice, and I'm. I'm looking forward to getting over there. But, yeah, for me, it's probably mostly about connecting with my family. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Georgia mentioned uh, Susie, whose numbers are just mind-boggling, right? She's approaching 10,000 international runs, <laughs> played over 300 games. It's extraordinary. Really, like, you've got some pretty decent numbers. You're scratching the surface a lot of ways. Like, are you are you driven by that? Do, do you set yourself sort of right, like long-term goals of what you want to achieve, or are you more in the in the now type? individual because you know some cricketers are weird and obsessed <laughs> with their numbers right yeah cricketers are weird um <laughs> no not too driven by that I think I like to be in the now more so and for me it's about every game I play trying to contribute to the best best I can I want to help win games for my country and and that's what I uh I guess my mindset every time I go out and play and um I think maybe afterwards at the end of the day well, you know, when you're retired, that's when you might look back on your numbers and, you know, I guess look at the success but also the failures you've had too. Um, but, yeah, it's not something that you're too driven by, but I think what is special about those numbers is when, when days are tough and, and things are hard for the team, there's always something to celebrate. And for us, um, I guess in different tours you know that you have a bad day but your teammate has a good day so get around them and enjoy their success and that's what makes sports so much more enjoyable uh, Georgia huge summer ahead at home we've got a massive series at the back end of summer of course England and we'll touch on that shortly but uh, Pakistan first arrive first week of December you know scout your opposition let us know how good is this Pakistan women's side <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think what we've seen in the last couple months of how well they've done, especially their their tour against South Africa where they won all three T20s, I think that just shows the development in the women's game. It, and they may have been seen as one of the, not as winning lots of World Cup titles like the, the Australias and the Englands, but I think they just shows it how much has gone into the women's game. And I think they're definitely going to be a a good a good team to to verse in um in both formats as well, especially with those ODI points. And of course, the series against England, Mealy, is that is that the one you put a big ring around and go right? That's where that's where we test where we're at. Yeah, I think we will be coming off the end of our summer too, so we would have played a lot of cricket, and um, I guess you know by then you're feeling pretty game fit and and ready to go. So. Um, yeah, England are quality. They're a very good team, so it's exciting to be able to play them, play them at home, and you know a lot of them, a lot of us play a lot of them around the world or so in different leagues, so you tend to know more about them, but they also know more about you, and yeah, they're a quality team, but it's exciting, and you want to you wanna be playing against the best, and it's a good challenge, and um, yeah, we'd definitely be looking and going in to try win those series, so um, yeah, it feels like it's still a long time away and there's a lot of cricket to be played till then, but it's exciting and, yeah, we'll, we'll want to compete and really really make it tough for them. I'll get you out on this one. Let's uh, talk domestically. Uh, we're all Wellingtonians, so let's get some Wellington <laughs> propaganda yeah. out. Uh, are the Blades going to blaze their way to more success, Georgia? Yeah, hopefully. I think it's a, a bit of a different-looking Wellington team this year, obviously, Without Tam and without Maddie, who were big parts of our team last yeah. year, and uh, getting some some of the CD girls coming over as well, I think it's it's going to be a, a really good season to be able to just bring some of those younger ones through as well. Um, and yeah, I think the way that Wellington cricket works and how much they put in, I think it it's going to be amazing to see just a, a bit of a different team get out there. But I still think results. I still think we've got a good chance, and then you always like to think. 
Yeah, and Millie, you've always enjoyed playing for Wellington, right? Seems a pretty special group you've had over a number of years. And, and while you might have, you know, big bash commitments, you know, um, of course, White Ferns, any opportunity to, to play at the basin, especially, I'm sure you take, uh, you know, with great glee. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you get opportunities to play all around the world, which is pretty cool. But for me, there's nothing like playing for New Zealand and, and playing for Wellington. That's your home. And they're the teams that when you're a kid, you dreamt dreamt of playing for so um yeah it's special to also play at home so yeah I love being able to represent represent our country and our province so yeah love playing for Wellington and I'm excited for the Super Smash and that getting underway the double headers are always great great time of year over the summer so um yeah definitely with Wellington we we want to win that's our mindset and um I guess in a way it's what we expect of ourselves too so um, disappointing last year not to get across the line um, to the Cantabs but uh, we're looking forward to some some more battles and there's been a bit of movement this year so I think it's going to be a competitive competitive comp but um, yeah we obviously want to win and get that title back too So look out Canterbury Georgia look out coming for you Yeah say it Georgia <laughs> I'll say it. They're coming for you, Ken. They're coming for you, Ken Tabs. Hey, Louie. Hey, Louie. They're coming for you, mate. Title Town needs that title back. All right. Hey, thank you so much for dropping by. Awesome to hear both your voices. Shame I couldn't see you. Camera issues and all that. But wish you all the success uh, for the near and long term. Thanks for dropping by. And again, I'll, I'll reiterate, we can't wait to call you games here on SCNZ. Thanks heaps, guys. Thanks, guys. Our absolute pleasure. A couple of fine New Zealand cricketers in Mealy Kurt, Georgia, Plum, a couple of fine Wellingtonians as well. So I got my fill of Wellington propaganda, Louis, so that makes me very happy. Very happy. Yeah, nice work. Coming, coming for your Canterbury. Coming. 24 minutes after 11 o'clock, I've got to get to a break. Your field, summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, once again, thank you to Amelia Kerr and Georgia Plummer from the White Ferns. The White Ferns open their uh, summer here in New Zealand at the glorious University of Otago Oval against the Pakistan women on Sunday the 3rd of December. And of course, uh, SCNZ will have full commentary of that game. Coming up towards half past 11, coming up towards the news, we will have the Polaris Sports Desk going to catch up with Andy Thompson on the other side of the news. Uh, Dewey has got back to us. Um here is my text sent to the correct number. Thanks. Do you know if New Zealand will get any coverage, radio slash TV, of the league test series between Tonga and England in England? Thanks, Dewey. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb and say doubtful the radio side of it. TV, surely um, a higher degree of possibility. They are pretty good rugby league signs, aren't they, Louis? But I think Louis and Brian would all agree we don't know. So there you go, Joey. That is officially a response. Not a very good one, I get that, but we responded. And can I no actually reply to people? Can I reply to people on this text? No, 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 actually, there's, there's a funny no. thing, you actually can't. You actually, no, there's no possible way, so yeah. Yeah, just never think about that again. But I love correcting their punctuation. Yeah. Grammar. Unfortunately, that's the system. Just it's uh, it's yeah. um, how do I put this kindly? Um, yeah. Host proof. Yes. So when pe- people send in your dick, 
Daniel, I can't reply. I think you'll find it's you apostrophe R-E. I can't do that. Yeah. And, no, I'm a jerk. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Um, and someone says, hi, what is the D total of... Re-? See, this is someone I would have replied to. Um, hi, what is D total of red cards and drop goals at D World Cup? I D not know. If only there was a thing you could type in that into and and come up with the answers. Knowing me, I'll probably do it during the news and come back with the answer. 29 away from 12. 2023 Rugby World Cup. One less than four years ago. Is that a surprise? It is. It's an extreme surprise. Yeah, there you go. So maybe our fears that uh, they're, they're ruining the game, that the game's gone. Uh, with the way we were officiating it, might not be completely accurate. All right, uh, let's welcome in a man who always deals in accuracy. Uh, we've been we've been talking to him the last couple of weeks uh, about his uh, issues getting to India. I, I think they, hopefully they've calmed down. Uh, he is here, of course, for the Rural Roundup, uh, with none other than the man himself, Mr. Andy Thompson, coming up after midday. What? It, <laughs> why are you showing this? Are you popping those anti-diarrhea pills already, Andy? He's showing me on the camera. But I've got two packets. Is 32 enough? I need some advice. Brilliant. Uh, So are are you preloading on anti-diarrhea medication? I don't know if you take too much of it, you become immune. (laughs) No, I'm not preloading. I I need advice from someone who's been to India for two weeks whether 32 is enough. I went to the chemist yesterday and she assured me that 32 was enough, but... I'm 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 a pessimist. You know, I'm a dairy ex dairy farmer. We're pessimists by nature. Yeah. So um, you know, we just always assume things are going to go pear shaped. I was going to say something else there uh, until they don't. So um, yeah, I'm just I'm just you know I'm I'm going to talk to Grant Elliott on the show. I know he's been there obviously uh, to play. So I'm going to ask him what he thinks about that. But um, what do you reckon? Advice, Daniel? Thirty two tablets. How many days are you on the ground? 14. Ooh. I, I think you've gone under there. Can we, can we ask the yeah. listeners? Send me a text. Send us a text. Yeah. 32. Double eight, double three. Has he got enough? Has he got enough anti-diarrhea <laughs> medication? All right. I don't know how we segue to pork, but we're going to somehow. Let, let's talk um, about New Zealand scientists and pork. Well, we, we seem to be talking a lot about pork, so I just thought we'd continue the trend. I mean, it's been our last two chats, uh, Daniel, we've been talking about pork. Um, they've done some research on pork, and they've figured out, I could have told them this, but they've done all this research, and they've wanted to figure out what is the best-tasting pork or what makes the best-tasting pork. And what they've found out, that meat from entire males has the highest fail rate, which translated into mean scungy old boar tastes like crap, which... I wouldn't have thought you needed to do a whole lot of um, data about that because I could have told them that. Uh, but what they, they get really technical about this. They go pH levels um, is slightly when it's slightly acidic, you get better pork. Um, but you know what the most people's favourite thing about eating pork is? Can you did you read this? Can you guess? No, uh, I would imagine the eating. No, it's not the cooking. Here's, no. Research also evaluated the most popular sensory characteristics of pork with consumers reporting the aroma was the aspect of pork they most enjoy, yeah. followed by flavour, tenderness, then juiciness. It smells great. 
That's basically it. We you don't, don't we eat with our it. eyes and our nose, don't we? In a lot of yeah. ways, Andy. Yeah. But I some more than I, others, I, I me know, included. I don't know what New Zealand pork paid for this, but I could have, I could have given them this advice for half the price, to be honest. So I would have done it for half whatever they paid. But anyway, I just found that fascinating. That um, that, that the most the favourite thing about pork is actually the the smell, the aroma when you're cooking it, bacon, you know. So you're not taking a backhand here from New Zealand pork, are you? Not at all. No, not at all. No, I'm not. No, I could be though. I'm open to bribery and corruption. <laughs> How do you make good on, crackling? Brent. How do we make good crackling? I make terrible. I crackling. always mess that up. I always yeah. mess it up. Look on um, on my Sunday morning show, and I haven't had her on for a while because she's been travelling. But um, we get Joe Seeger on the show quite regularly for our lifestyle segment, and um, that's next time I'm going to ask you that question, especially for you. And I'll send you the um, I'll send you the data. I'll send you the audio so you know. Brilliant. Yeah. What else you got coming up today, mate? I know your shows are always chocker. Uh, it is chocker, actually. Uh, as I said, we are going to chat to um, we're going to chat to Grant Elliott, your your mate. Um, we're going to do our Rugby World Cup segment, so we're going to talk Rugby World Cup. But I'm going to get some India cricket advice. Uh, we're going to talk. There is a um, a new initiative, the Otago Daily Times and Rural Life. Um, Year of the Farmer Initiative. There's a winner for that has been announced today. So I'm going to talk to Sally Ray from the Otago Rural Times and then the announce your winner of the um, Farmer of the Year Initiative. Uh, we're also going to talk to, uh, we're going to have our Overseer uh, Rural Hero of the Week. And um, some new technologies come out, which have you been, have you seen cows wandering around with collars on them? Daniel, you've seen that as you're driving around the country? You know, you see a herd of cows and they've all got collars on. Pretty standard stuff now, but there's some new technology where no. they've actually taken them off. So, okay, no, fair enough. I'm sure well, I'm, a, I'm a hippie Wellingtonian, mate. We don't believe in cars, right? No. Or farming. Right. Okay, hey, come on, Daniel. I've actually speaking to uh, uh, Louis. I was speaking to no, someone. No, I'm joking. Um, I'm just, I'm just uh, playing to the narrative that has been created that Wellingtonians Wellington are so out of touch and have gone all. Well, you are, world. you are. Yeah. Anyway, you still voted yeah. Greens. So anyway, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other story. We won't get into politics. Anyway, they've. Uh, what you just they've did, got, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> Yep. I'm still celebrating. We won't go there week. until after I've gone there. Yeah. Andy, don't yeah. you have a pre record now, mate? Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> Kick me out. I'm gone. I'm on at twelve. Listen. You need more than thirty two pills, my friend. <laughs> have, have a great day. Andy Thompson is coming up on the Rural Roundup. Brilliant stuff. Uh, the Rural Roundup with uh, the great Andy uh, between twelve and one Wednesdays on all frequencies except Auckland and out of touch Wellington. Uh, listeners in those areas can still listen to Afternoons uh, with Staffy via the app. <laughs> 20 away from 12 o'clock. Hi, gents. To answer the previous text's question, 15 drop goals in red cards so far. Well, that's 15 minus 7 means 8, doesn't it? So Brad also texts, 8 drop goals, and England has kicked 5 of them. There you have it. Thank you very much. Bit of crowdsourcing. Uh, Polaris Sports Desk, up next. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. It is time for the Polaris Sports Desk. Polaris special offers are on now at your local Polaris dealer. Here is the dealer of our news, Mr. Louis Herman Watt. I've got so much stuff. Um, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. We'll just go in no particular order. Let's go to the live Bigs 
Backyard Ultra Marathon live update to see how Sam Harvey's going. So this is our man Sam Harvey, who you referenced earlier. He runs, so the, the idea of these is you run 6.7 kilometer loops um, for, you have to complete it in an hour, and you've got to do that for as many consecutive hours as you can. And if you obviously complete it in time, you get to have a bit of rest, so you can have a little bit of sleep. Um, and I'm just looking here. He is still going, Sam Harvey. He is, there's, there's about ooh, 15 of them that are still going out there into day three and a half, or just over day three and a half. So um, they've, oh man, this is crazy. Like seriously. It is crazy. So if like how how quickly are they doing a loop? Uh his average loop I can tell you is forty six minutes and his Wow last loop was forty he's forty fifty four minutes. So he's starting to fatigue. He's kind of now into that dark space where you just gotta hang on for survival. Um <sighs> He's a crazy man though. And, and he'll dig so when very do you deep. sleep? You, so if he finishes in fifty-four minutes, is an hour to do it. He gets six minutes to sleep. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So you battle sleep deprivation. So he's talked about hallucinating before. Um, the pain is not really the issue. It's the like well-being overall, like state. Like yeah, that, wow. these these guys are they're, they're not quite right. So that, that's going on. So I, all the I, best to Sam Harvey. Yeah. Come back one piece. I've clearly, next next I've clearly, next thing for you. Clearly already questioned that, Louis. Ah, uh, yeah. You're running from anyway. Wow, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I think it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> next next point is it's the NBA season. Now this is fantastic for all hoops fans. We're in that beautiful part of American sport. We've got NFL. We've got NBA starting. We've got the the World Series on the doorstep. We've got Game Seven today. We've got another Game Seven tomorrow, I believe, and uh, the conferences there of the Major League Baseball. Um, so it's that beautiful twilight of um, where all the American sports kind of co- uh, collapse on one another. And today, well, it is the Nuggets and Lakers at 12.30, then the Warriors' Suns at 3 p.m. I-, I know what I'll be doing from the couch this afternoon. So we've got the champion Nuggets, Nikola Jokic, who's in his off-season, has just been buying bloodstock and racing horses uh, versus LeBron James in his 22nd season quite incredible then you've got the golden state warriors juggernaut who've added chris paul uh, up against the phoenix suns who had added bradley beal who is injured and not playing today so we won't get to see the new look suns which is a little bit disappointing so that's the nba tomorrow there's more games we can go go through those here's a stat for you daniel here is a stat for you that you will love yesterday well last night well today i guess was the seventh consecutive time when South Africa have batted first that they've won by 100-plus runs. Wow. The seventh consecutive time when South Africa have batted first that they've won by 100-plus runs. Previously, the longest sequence of consecutive wins by 100-plus runs when batting first in men's ODIs was three. So they're... That tells me that there has been done when chasing. But for some reason, this Proteus side, when they bat first, have no issue. They just don't know when to stop. Well, it helps when England won the toss and decide to bowl uh, in that um, much-discussed decision and now laughed at. And England lost by, what, 229 runs? (laughs) Yep. 
the, the net run rate, they haven't been doing the favours of the, everyone else that doesn't want South Africa to have great net run rate. Uh, Quinton de Kock is quite comfortably leading the most runs in the tournament, which is staggering considering the amount of runs Vera at Coley has been able to chalk up. I love what Andrew Miller said at the start of the show. Uh, if you want to catch Andrew Miller's chat, go to the podcast channel, Mornings with Ian Smith, where he said that... <laughs> Oh, actually, it might have been you. One of you said Virac can kind of pick and choose where he wants to score 100. He kind of goes between uh, modes. He can pace himself or he can leave runs on the board. It's it's ultimate control. And staying with the cricket, I just ran a little tally, and maybe we can talk about this tomorrow with everybody on 0800-150-811 or the Temper Bed Post text machine, double eight double three. Australia play the Netherlands tonight. Uh, touch wood that they get knocked over, <laughs> but they probably won't. They have New Zealand, England, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, to run home to, New Zealand, England, Afghanistan, Bangladesh. So we, the Black Caps, have got four games to come home to, Australia, South Africa, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and South Africa have Pakistan, New Zealand, India, Afghanistan. So uh, Australia, I think, quite comfortably have the easier run home, but it just shows, as far as seedings, and first of all, making the semi-final, then seeing where you'll finish in that top four order, this Saturday night's game between the Black Caps and Australia will probably be very defining for that. Um, and if we can beat them, that makes our job a lot easier and we certainly won't be finishing fourth, I wouldn't have thought, which would be playing India in a semi-final, which would probably, not saying it'd be impossible because uh, knockout cricket does funny things to teams, especially India, but it would definitely be a, a tougher challenge, I would have thought. Or maybe not, not maybe sure. you'd rather play India. Yeah, I'm not sure they'll be wrapped to play us. I think they would be like us, much preferring to play someone like a South Africa, right? Considering what we did at the last World Cup and the ICC uh, World Test Championship against India as well. Uh, interesting. You want Australia's draw, don't you, listening to that, compared to New Zealand and South Africa. Oh, great. Yeah. Australia's going to make another World Cup semi-final. Awesome. No, you, you do. Um I, we still, yeah, we've still got the, the the zombie Springboks and the zombie Australian cricketers. Perfect. That's exactly what we want. Anyway, this is Sports Desk. Polaris special offers are on now at your local Polaris dealer. Uh, there you go. Thank you. You can get a free roof, windscreen, rear panel, wiper kit, and tow hitch valued at $5,000 on a Polaris range at 1000 Seven and a half away from twelve.